We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. number of new things at City Hall under Mayor Lori Lightfoot, some new city council committees and a new way of doing some things, but possibly one of the most significant changes hasn't gotten a whole lot of notice until now. Chicago has a new Office of Equity and Racial Justice. What's that mean? We'll ask the woman who runs it. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Candace Moore, Chicago's new and first-ever chief equity officer. She was a senior staff attorney for the Education Equity Project for the Chicago Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Always a group that's had too long a name. Uh, But she was also one of the lawyers who stopped plans to close the National Teachers Academy when she was with that group. She was one of the inaugural participants at the uh, Racial Justice Training Institute at the Shriver Center. And she's been an advocate for people with disabilities and those opposed to gun violence. So while she's been on her current job for only a month, you might be able to argue that she's been preparing for it her whole life. Candace Moore, welcome. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here. Well, let's be honest. The title Chief Equity Officer at First Blush sounds like one of those feel-good jobs that might say more than it does. Um, who isn't for equity and racial justice uh, when everyone's looking anyway? Um, But Mayor Lightfoot has more than once said her entire administration is, and I'm going to use her own words, filtered through the lens of equity. Since no one's done this job before, what is your vision for what it is supposed to be? Yeah, and so no one's done this job in Chicago before, but uh, what what is interesting and what's sort of nice to have as a roadmap is that there are these, these positions chief equity officers that are popping up around the country in different municipalities, whether those be cities or co- or counties. One of the first cities that uh, many folks look at who, who, who seem to have really established a body of work around this is Seattle. Um, but there are other cities such as Philadelphia, Austin, um, Portland that have developed these, off- these chief equity officer positions and these offices dedicated to looking at how is the government actually going to operationalize work around equity. And the concept of equity is, is embedded in so many aspects of city, city life. Uh, you know, it's from education to uh, resources for the parks, economic development, to segregation. What don't you touch? Well, so in some ways, everything is on deck. That's true. Um, but the strategy for actually helping different departments both understand what equity is, understand their responsibility to advance it, and then also to do the work and monitor and watch progress and, 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 and support government is really what this work is about and what, what sort of makes it different. It's one thing to just say we're, we're sort of looking at equity. It's another thing to have individuals who are dedicated to making sure that shows up in practice and actually working with government 
officials and departments to actually do that work, uh, which is which is different and which sort of marks this sort of building work around the country around equity. What's the best example that you have seen from other cities, whether it's Seattle or or any others, that gives you the uh, the the idea? Okay, yeah, that's the kind of thing I want to do here. Yeah, so um, I've certainly been looking at the work at of Seattle, and, and one of the things that they do and that they've really um, gotten strong at is building what's called a racial equity impact assessment. Um, it is a tool or a set of questions that are really meant to support policy decisions and the policy development process and put questions of racial equity, quote, on the table when you're in discussions about policy. So often when we're making a policy decision, we're going to run a financial analysis. We might do an environmental impact study, but rarely do we say we're actually going to look at the impact that this policy is going to have on the way our society is stratified around race. And we yet we know that to be true. We know that uh, in many places, Chicago included, the opportunities people have access to are absolutely stratified around race and geography. And yet we we fail to consider that fully when we're making decisions around policy. And so Seattle uh, put pulled together and created a tool to actually help integrate this kind of analysis in government. And it's been a real model for other municipalities to do this work. What kind of questions do you ask when you're trying to judge what kind of impacts this might have? Yeah, so uh, there are some, quite frankly, common sense questions, uh, which sometimes we fail to ask, which is, what is the purpose of this policy? What is our goal? What are we actually trying to achieve? But there's a couple, there's a set of questions in there that I think is what sort of makes it a little bit more novel. It's, if we implement this policy, what's the benefit of this policy and who is stands to get that benefit? And vice versa, if we implement this policy, how will it burden people and who stands to carry the burden? And those two somewhat simple questions have huge implications for how we think about a policy decision. And then it takes it a step forward to, to say that if we understand this is where the benefit will likely go and this is where the burden will likely go, if we don't like it, we can actually change it. We're still at the decision-making table. We can come up with strategies to mitigate negative outcomes. We could tweak our policy a little bit so we don't experience that level of burden. Um, We can make those changes on the front end so that we're not experiencing them after the policy has been implemented and paying the price for the harm that's been created. Mm. So now here you are at the beginning of a uh, new administration with a job that where the the sky's in some ways the sky's the limit. So where do you start? (laughs) This is a question I get quite often and one that I ask myself as well. Um, so to me, it's really important to first understand what we're working with, to understand uh, our government and the uniqueness that it is. So step one is really engaging the different departments and really under beginning to understand how we do our work 
is there equity work that has already happened in city departments? And the answer to that is yes, there are some departments that have already started looking at questions of equity and are starting to move that work forward. Um, where are some challenges for departments where they haven't exactly looked at it through an equity lens, but what they're talking about is really what's at core is this conversation around equity, and they don't have the tools, the support that they need to do that inquiry. So really sort of understanding that as step one, but then beginning to build capacity in government to understand this. And what that looks like, is training and conversations, which for some people, they say that's the soft, squishy part. (laughs) But if you don't do that, if you don't have the conversation, if you don't have the language, you don't have the you don't have what you need to actually analyze the problem and 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 really deal with what are some solutions to actually solve it. And so that becomes a really important first step. Um, are you finding that people are coming up to you saying, oh, I have an I have idea. I mean, are people bringing you ideas already? Oh, yes. <laughs> they're bringing me ideas. They're bringing me issues, all sorts of things. Um, and and whereas I, I love it and I want to be very responsive to it, there is a tension. Um, there is this issue of urgency that exists. There are real challenges that are happening every single day and we have to be able to address them and people want us to address them. And and so there's this need to be very responsive, but, but there's also this need to do this sort of longer, slower work that sometimes feels invisible. Uh, The work about training and establishing goals. It's just not as exciting all the time, but that's the work that stands to actually make real change, make long-lasting change, make sustainable change. It really leads to the kind of transformation that many of us want in Chicago when it comes to some of the outputs of our work. I, I don't think I'm misjudging it to think that your, your public debut was in some ways the... Uh, the program for the 100th anniversary of the Chicago race riots of 1919. Uh, you were definitely front and center on that. And I will say it was an impressive program. Uh, Thank the you. spoken word performances and especially the speeches by uh, historian Simon Balto uh, and, and, and the, and the mayor for that matter, got people uh, interested and motivated, but that was just an event. And your office has to make even things like that a whole lot more than just an event. And, and what, what goes into that? I mean, you, you can't just put on a show for a day and you're done with it. Absolutely right. Um, I, I, I say that it actually is more than an event, though, because part of this is about the narrative and the story and the inspiration and the motivation that we set for folks. So this event was, was one, it was just timely. We're in the 100th year anniversary of a really uh, uh, tragic moment in our city that many of us have lost the history around. Um, And I admitted it there at the event, myself included. Mm -hmm. And so as I started exploring what happened a hundred years ago, it really began to open my own eyes about, I know this work is long 
And I know there's a long history of this, but there's nothing like bringing it home. Uh, I'm reading this study that was done 100 years ago um, at following the 1919 race riots. And they're telling the story of what happened on the streets that I drive through every single day. They're talking about intersections that I know well, and they're talking about what happened. But they also talk about what needs to happen and how do you begin to address uh, issues that really drove these race riots. And what was eerie is that it's the same conversation that we're having today. And I walked away from that knowing and understanding that part of our challenge is we have not done our work. A hundred years ago, they told us to do our work. We have not done that work. And it's not a coincidence that we still wrestle with some of the issues that contributed to the race riots then. Yeah, I would think that's one of the biggest challenges of this. As, as someone who is, and, and here in, in Illinois, I've covered government for 35 years, and I have lost count of the number of reports that had changes that had to be made right then and there, whether it's education funding or things like that, and that never became more than reports. And, you know, the challenge for this government is to do something different and more, I would think. Absolutely. And to convince people to try again, which is why I think narrative is so important. Um, You can become very disillusioned when you realize that there are reports that have been written or you've been a part of the commission for the, you know, X number of times and you feel like nothing has happened. How do you get folks to lean in again to do the work? And there's nothing like creating a space where folks can connect or folks can begin to be inspired, have hope again to really activate the type of energy that you're going to need to do this work because this work is going to be hard. Um, Although I occupy this position, I make no mistake that this work can happen with one chief equity officer. It absolutely will take everyone across our city leaning in. And that's so that's part of the work is how do you inspire? How do you embrace the diversity, which are, is our communities? And some of that sometimes that's an event. Sometimes that's a story. Sometimes that's a community engagement experience. But fundamentally, this work is about all of us. And so that's a big part of the work as well. And I think I can imagine that sometimes it's like walking up to this huge mountain and looking up, knowing that you got to get to the top. But. You know, but you're like way down here. Uh, uh, Let me sum it up in one phrase. Tale of two cities. You're coming into uh, uh, an era where that has become shorthand for what's wrong with Chicago. Uh, From segregation, economic development, policing. How do you make a difference in any part of that? So I mean, pick a part. I mean, which part would you pick first? I mean, this makes me think about the work that I did before this in schools. Mm-hmm. Yes. When we're talking about a t- tale of two cities, it, it manifests in our education system, I would say, almost like no other. We see that, and it is the conditions that our young people experience. And that is the that has been 
my learning grounds of how to do different advocacy work. Um, I started this work as a lawyer um, with a vision of, you know, giving a voice, help, and not so much giving a voice, but helping to elevate the voices of, of folks most impacted by uh, some of our biggest challenges. What I learned in that space is that whereas there's a need to challenge systems and to challenge spaces and to push, there's also a need to build. There's also a need to teach. There's also a need to build bridges across uh, our different experiences so that we have a bigger capacity to do the work. When you are in a school, you can't just tear the, tear the system down. That's where you're sending your child, right? You want them to be in a place where people understand your child, where they're supporting your young person. Many people go into the field of education wanting to make a difference in the lives of young people. So there's these motivations that we have, but there are, are differences that are getting in the way and there are divisions and the structures and the practices that, that keep us from doing the work. And so part of what I have tried to do in my work as a lawyer, especially when I'm thinking about addressing racial equity, is to try to open up a conversation try to make the conversation a little less intimidating to give people, I, I started calling it on ramps to this conversation around racial equity. And what I found is that when we start talking about our collective responsibility, then our ability to work towards solutions, our motivation, we, we can sort of step outside of that, that paralysis that I think we get around the racial conversation and begin to lean into what's possible and do the work and try a little bit more. Now, I, I won't say it's easy, but I have been surprised myself at the work that is happening that was even beyond what I thought could happen. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and I am talking with Chicago's chief equity officer, uh, Candace Moore. Uh, let me turn to something else, and, and I, as I was pointed out at the top of the program, there is no limit to the number of things we could turn to that touch on equity. One of the things that Mayor uh, Lightfoot has talked about in the recent days is getting more businesses to open in, in struggling neighborhoods. Are you going to be involved in that? And how? And who's, who's helping? I, you know, I can't imagine that your department's doing it all by itself. So, and I think this is a really good point. It's really important for us not to think about the Office of Equity as a place where you go to find equity or <laughs> you go there to do the equity work. It would be nice. It would be nice. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would love to be able to do that. But from the way I've seen the work happen, that's just not how it works. Uh, I see the office as equity as being a real partner within government to support the different departments, the different leaders to actually do this work, to build this muscle, to add resources where they're wrestling with these questions. So you bring up economic development. 
um, part of my role is to support the deputy mayor of economic development to support the departments that deal with economic to development to help raise the questions because the re- because there are talented people who know how to do really impressive work and and I'm not a urban planner but what I can do is be a person at the table and a part of the conversation to make sure that our conversation around urban planning is thinking about how this applies to communities that we may not be familiar with, communities that we may not have experiences with. And in places where we don't have that knowledge at the table, we can go ask people, we can engage people who are living this because they are the experts in their own experiences. And they have a lot of ideas about what would work. But so often we don't get we're not having those conversations. And so a big part of racial equity is community engagement. There's also a chief uh, engagement officer who pushes us as an administration to think more thoughtfully about how we're engaging the community. So if these new policies are coming online, being crafted, um, I would think that at some point, you're going to see something that somebody hasn't seen, but you're dealing with people who are confident, capable people who know what they're doing. How does someone in your position go, hold on, hold on, time out, time out. This isn't, you're you're not thinking about this and get the, the machine, the wheels to slow down or stop for a minute and think about which direction they're pointing in. Yeah, so... That's why I think the first part of what I talked about is so important. The relationship building, the training, the setting the foundation, setting the narrative so that we are less in a less in a situation where we're saying, hold up, you haven't thought about this or you're not thinking about this. And instead saying, remember when we were having this conversation? Remember when we talked about the different tools or the strategies? Here's a great opportunity to do it. And what do you need to get there? Do you need us to help around the community engagement strategy? Because one of the challenges is that you're actually not resourced the way you need to be to do this work effectively. Um, uh, Have you thought about this question? Are you having trouble connecting to this community? How can we actually help you establish those connections so that you have the relationships that you need to be successful. So a big part of this, and and, and I really do mean it, it's fundamentally about partnership. Um, I have been an advocate saying stop before. Um, <laughs> I sort of recognize the difference <laughs> in my work. Um, as a, as Yes, as a partner, and it's just another way to get toward the accountability that we need to do this work to actually support people in having the capacity to do this work. What can everyday people do to be a part of this besides just going out to meetings when somebody calls a meeting? I think there are opportunities to really elevate what's working. Um, So having partnerships with government, um, all across government, there are actually really great partnerships and I I just want to give credit to the work that's already happening in Chicago. There are lots of ways that we are actually doing really good work where 
community members are coming to us saying, we've already identified, we brought together stakeholders in our communities, we've identified some of the biggest issues that our communities care about, and this is a direction, this is a next step that government can take to support this. We've done, we've moved from A to B, we need you to help us get to C. So that kind of work certainly still needs to happen. It's not, you can't, there's no time to sort of sit back now that there's an equity officer all of a sudden. Like, this is to only support that work further. And and I think the reality is we're not starting from zero. We We have this position because many people across our city actually saw its importance and made that very clear as as this new administration set up. And so now is the time to continue that partnership, deepen those partnerships, and really make sure that we're together doing this work. There are things that government can't do, but that communities can, and vice versa. Um, what's the budget for your office, and how, how, how much staff do you have? Where are you in? <laughs> um, so I, I'm a month in, to be fair. <laughs> yes. And... One of the things I've been looking at across the country is how big are these offices and how they're doing their budget. Um, it's interesting because some, as I was saying earlier, some of the cities are much smaller than Chicago. <laughs> so in some ways, we have a different kind of a challenge here when you're looking at a at a jurisdiction that's the third largest in the country. And so, I mean, I think there's a real danger to say, okay, staff up. 50 deep and get going because we are also trying to do something different. So uh, I see this work rolling out in phases. It absolutely can't be done alone. But I also, again, this isn't just about building up the work of the office. It's also about building the teams within departments and really helping to coordinate that work. And there are some really, uh, there's some departments that have already said, okay, this is our, equity team or we have a strategic plan around this. This is our diversity team that's doing this work. And so it, all of that's on deck uh, to make sure that we're doing this work because it really is a fundamental responsibility of all government. Um, you grew up in Aurora, which is Illinois' second largest city. I it think is. People, people it is. forget that. They do. They do. Um, but what in that experience can help you in your Chicago job? Yeah, I always joke with people that my first run in government when I was 15 years old in Aurora, um, I uh, was able to get a work permit, and they had this really great summer camp program. Um, And what it did is it exposed me to government at a really young age. But I always say, for me, my experience with government is I was really proximate to government. When I was 18 years old, I got to help advocate for a permit to do a summer festival in one of our parks, right? Um, I knew who my alderman was. He lived down the street from me. I knew people who worked at City Hall. They went to church with me. And so in, in smaller towns or suburbs, government feels a lot more proximate. Um, and so what you expect from government, I think, I noticed some differences that your the ability you feel that you have to go to your government and ask for something and for them to be responsive can be different. And sometimes in big cities, government just feels too big and too distant. Right. But we still have a fundamental responsibility to to be responsive. 
Uh, people absolutely have uh, should have an expectation to be able to communicate to government what they need. And so that sort of guides how I think about how we should at least feel in the work. We should feel like we actually have a relationship. So very quickly, in some ways, you need to get that small town availability, accessibility in a big city like this. And and Aurora is not a small town, but you right, know what I mean. Right. I mean, everything seems like a small town in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you should just feel a relationship. And, and, and I don't know so much that it's just about a small town, but you should feel a relationship to government um, is, is sort of a fundamental belief that I hold. And, and, and I'm sort of asking, what is, what, what is the power of our relationship? Are we doing what we need to, to support this relationship? And is, does community sort of supporting and doing what they need to do to support this relationship? That's going to be the final word. Candace Moore is the head of Chicago's new Department of Equity and Racial Justice. Thank you for taking this time. Thank you. Uh, To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. Just follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcast on Radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.